last week uh, in my absence and uh, just did a stunning job uh, kicking off this new series, Grow Up. And uh, as you know, we kind of almost keep beating that, that drum, don't we? Of like, that's what we sense God's been saying to us this year is to grow up. And growing up as a church means that individually as people uh, that know and follow Jesus, that we grow up. And she, uh, she addressed the triune uh, concept of a person being body, mind, uh, sorry, body, soul, and spirit are in danger of creating a church of poor wee souls. And that a part of maturity and part of growing up means the real us, the real person. That is our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will and emotions. That it's those things that mature and grow in him. And that the enemy goes after our soul. And things done to us and things said to us about us that create hurt and create wounds in us, damage our soul. And that results in wrong and distorted and negative thinking about ourselves and about the way that we see life. Uh, could be the way that which we exercise our will, making wrong and harmful choices, that we repeat behavior that we'd rather not do, and that we experience negative emotions such as shame and regret and fear and anxiety. Our soul is what makes us us. It's the bit of who we really are. It's the bit that goes to heaven when the lights go out down here. It's who we really, really are. And Jesus loves us the way we are, right? Doesn't he? He accepts us as we are today, right now. We as a church, and we say it time and time again, is come as you are. And that's absolutely right. He takes us as we are. But you know what? Jesus loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay the way we are. He wants us to make us more like him, more like Jesus. And so, so much of that is in about maturity. So, um, here we are. One of the slides Chantel also showed last week was this, and I just thought it was fantastic. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. We were praying this this morning. Uh, as, a, as I say, I said, God, just give your people, give us courage to really be who we were intended to be. What I'm speaking on this morning takes an enormous amount of courage. How do you become the person that God intended? There's no simple answer. Uh, I said this a few weeks ago. There are three things. One is God. God is the one who makes us and brings out of us who we were meant to be. Secondly, that comes through relationship with one another. And again, that's why our groups are so important, that you connect in one of them, that you choose to do life with other people, that you're not a lone ranger trying to do life by yourself. That's just destined to fail every single time. But the third ingredient, and I think this is the one where we get to make good choices, is our will, our want, our courage, our choices, that we set ourselves in a place where God can do it in us, but through relationship with one another, that we journey this stuff together. And so one of the key areas, what we're going to look at this morning, is the whole area of forgiveness. And to help us do that, we're going to read through a very well-known passage in Matthew 18. Please, my darling. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. 
As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Okay, so let's kind of put this into context. Prior to this conversation, uh, Jesus has been given the disciples instructions of how the church should deal with sin. And he gives really clear parameters about how to go about doing that. And as a result of this, uh, Peter gets inquisitive, as Peter does. And Peter doesn't kind of hold back, does he? He likes to ask questions. And so he says this to Jesus. He says, well, if that's true about how we're meant to deal with sin, how many times should I forgive my brother? How many times? Should it be seven times? And so Jesus, um, he basically says, well, no, actually... 77 times in the NIV that's what we read in other translations it actually reads seven, 70 times 7 which if you were to do the maths is 490 either way it doesn't matter the point is the same this number 7 holds a great deal of significance within the Bible it kind of holds a significance of one that is complete or perfection so Jesus isn't really saying an actual number of times that we should forgive someone He's basically saying you should continue to forgive and continue to forgive because there's a completeness, a rightness, a perfection in doing so. You should always be one to forgive. And so Jesus goes on and like he usually does is he tells a story, he tells a parable. And this is the parable of the unmerciful servant. And very, very quickly, here's just an overview of what it says. A king talks about his king who wants to cash in all these debts to his servants. He's all these servants who owe him lots of money. And he goes to this first servant, he says, I want my money back, give it to me. And the servant owes the king 10,000 bags full of gold. And the servant's like, I've got absolutely no way of paying you, that's impossible. I cannot simply begin to repay my debts that I owe to you. Please, please, is there any other way? And the king's like, well, the only way is that I would sell you, your wife and your children to pay off the debts. He's like, no, no, please don't do that. Please don't do that. And the king has mercy and the king lets him off. He says he pardons him. Now that same servant who's been let off the hook, has just been released of that incredible debt that he owed to the king, goes to another servant, a friend, a peer, who owes him a bit of cash. It's a hundred silver coins. It's hardly the same amount. 
100 silver coins compared to 10,000 bags of gold. And he grabs him by the throat. and He's just like, give me my money. I want my money back. He's like, I can't. No, leave me alone. I'll try and get it back to you. Now, the king gets wind of this. He hears that this is the way the servant has been treating a fellow servant. And he's mad. He's just like, why, why would he do that? I let him off such a massive debt. Why would he then go to someone else and look for, look for the same sort of thing? He, was so, so, he, was, he had been merciful, and yet he was unwilling to do the same. Now, here's the point. The point simply is this, that we have been forgiven of everything because of the cross. And we're going to speak about that in a minute. But we, therefore, have a choice to make in terms of our other relationships with our peers in terms of what we choose to do or not to do. And it is a choice. It's an act of the will. And if we choose not to forgive, as this story that Jesus taught, we suffer the ultimate consequence. In this story, the king had the servant put in jail to be tortured. Part of being a mature follower of Jesus means that we learn to, but that we practice in this whole area of forgiveness. Sin and forgiveness are at the very heart of the gospel, the very heart of mankind. Right from the beginning of creation, the fallen man would be reconciled to their maker, God, through the cross. It's God's redemptive way of making it possible to be free. The cross is where sin is forgiven, where hearts are set free, where brokenness is restored and healing takes place. It's where marriages can be restored. <coughs> it's where relationships can be reconciled, where offspring return, where trust is rebuilt and honor reigns. But before we release forgiveness, before we do that, it's important that we know in ourselves that we are forgiven. Like in the parable, the servant was first forgiven and he'd known that his debts were cancelled. We too need to know and have the full assurance that our debt is paid for. No matter what it is that we've done, no matter how bad that we think it is, Jesus' blood never fails us. And yet there are too many Christians who walk around in sackcloth and ashes, almost crucifying themselves, saying, oh, put me on the cross, put me on the cross. You know, not literally, but we go around just kind of flogging ourselves, just trying to do whatever it is, whatever way we can amend whatever it is that we've done wrong. And yet, the only place, the best place to go to is the cross, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It's the starting place. It's the starting point. It starts at the cross and it finishes at the cross. It starts with us being forgiven, but finishes by us releasing and forgiving others. In the Lord's Prayer, which is quite important, eh? some pretty good stuff in that, there's the verse, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. The opposite, unforgiveness, is ugly. If something is done to you, is said to you, said about you. It could be a one-off thing. It could be a continual thing. 
It could be something that you are subjected to for years and years. It creates a wound. It creates something in the heart. It wounds the heart and it wounds the soul. And sometimes people apologize for the wrongs that they do to us and that kind of helps. But more often than not, they don't. And we're still left with that wound. We're still left with that scar. But either way, it is our responsibility to deal with that. It is our responsibility before the Lord to do what we can do to get ourselves free of that wound. To treat it carefully. To treat it with the right medicine, I guess. And sadly, many people would never treat the wound. And they don't. They just let it fester and it gets ugly. And it just uh, affects the choices that people make, etc., etc., and the behavior that they continue for years and years. A brief story, forgive me if you've heard this. Um, prior to meeting Chantel, I, I dated one or two uh, ladies uh, from kind of teenage on, 20s, I'm sure with our own stories. And, uh, and I, I kind of, I sort of fell in love with three, uh, not at the same time, that would be really wrong. Um, kind of from teenage upwards, uh, girls, and, uh, and generally really, you know, was in love, as many of us have been and are. And each of those relationships, girlfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend relationships, they all dumped me. <laughs> I was expecting more than that, actually. <laughs> I would like more of an R, actually. Thank you. It's understandable. <laughs> Who said that? Peter. Not surprisingly. And they did. I was like, oh my God, what? Here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go. And I remember the third time. I remember that. Just thinking, do you know what? I am never letting someone else do that to me again. That is not happening. And guess what? I was single for years. <laughs> And that wasn't really the reason by it. Well, it was, maybe actually partly that was, but that wasn't it. Um, but there's something that happens in that place. You kind of make a vow, a vow, a promise. So like I'm choosing because of that pain and because of that experience, because of that wound, I'm choosing now not to allow someone to get close to me again like that. Because look what happens. And that's what happens, isn't it? And yet, I had to go before the Lord and and and... and just get that stuff out there and say, it's okay, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. They probably all had good reasons, actually, why they, they, they it, was, it was no wonder, it was no surprise, right? But, you know, I had to deal with that stuff. I had to deal with that wound and get kind of healed up and get whole again. So that when, then when we met, it was like, it was a clean slate. We're good to go again. We're good to go. And so, that's just one personal story. And forgive me if you've heard that before. Uh, of doing that but unless we deal with that the wound stays and it does affect the way that we make choices that make that we relate to one another and etc etc it's time to forgive it's time to move on it's time to live just a few words of caution what forgiveness is and what it isn't because i'm very aware that for some of us this is a really painful thing Forgiveness does not mean that we say what happened to us is okay. Terrible things happen. 
And we're not excusing what happened or what was said because we need to acknowledge that. That was wrong, okay? So we're not excusing it, but we do excuse the person, okay? So we acknowledge it. We're not saying, actually, that was okay. Go ahead, do it again. You know, it's, No, it's not. Forgiveness does not mean giving the person who hurt you open access again to repeat it again and do it again and do it again and do it again. And often it requires boundaries within a relationship for the future so that that whatever it was doesn't happen again. Forgiveness is a process and sometimes takes time and takes the opportunity to forgive and to forgive. And when it comes back again, it's annoying you. You choose to forgive seven 77, 70 times 7. It, it just, it's just this process where you just got to keep handing it over and giving it over to God. Forgiveness often requires God's help. Forgiveness is an act of the will that we need to decide even though we don't feel like making it. Now, forgiveness not only releases you, it releases those that hurt you and sometimes the wider community around you. Some might think that forgiveness is weakness. Do you know, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. Forgiveness is an incredibly powerful and strong thing and has a strong force. Forgiveness releases you from being held captive. Okay? Forgiveness also releases the person, has the power to release the person that hurt you. Okay? So regardless of whether they're sorrowful or not, some are sorrowful. And they carry that around in them. And by saying to them, I didn't like it, what you did, well, that was wrong, but it's okay. That has the power to help set that people, that person, and release that person as well. But also, forgiveness can have a far-reaching effect to the wider community. Chantel told me this story. It's not part of me, but um, apparently... Uh, during the Enniskillen bomb, which is many, many years ago now, there was a man called Gordon Wilson who lost his daughter and lay beside her under the rubble and passed away right beside her in that moment. Beside him, sorry. And in that moment and came out publicly and said, but I choose to forgive. And that just released a whole bunch of people. It made some people mad who weren't able to actually journey the same route of forgiveness. I remember the story just a couple of years ago, the London riots. Maybe you remember it, when um, the, of that ethnic community, the, the, the son who was, who was killed during the troubles, and uh, the, the father came out, and he just said, guys, don't take to the streets. Don't go for revenge. Please stay at home. Please, I choose to forgive. This is incredibly painful. I choose to forgive. And there have been many bold, bold, courageous stories like that. Consider this man here. As I walked out of the door towards the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. And courageous people do not fear forgiving for the sake of peace. If Nelson Mandela had not chosen to forgive, in his prison, his literal prison, he'd come out still a prisoner. But because he chose to forgive through his life, in his later years, his best years maybe, he was able to have a tremendous effect on radically 
beginning the transformation of a broken um, and ununited, is that right? Disunited, thank you, um, community and country. And then there's Jesus being nailed and hanging on the cross dying. Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. The soldiers who had ordered and told to crucify Jesus at that point hanging upon the cross Jesus says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In agony and public humiliation, forgive them. And through that one man's life, through that one person, the power, the far-reaching power of his message, of his life, has the power to transform communities. I say this often, and I hope you'll never think that's just a bit crass as a foreigner living in wonderful Northern Ireland, but this is a wonderful country. It's just absolutely tremendous. Um, we were, uh, our family on Thursday night, we were in Belfast as, as the beginning of the Giro came and all the riders were announced. It was just absolutely brilliant. And the Lord Mayor with dyed pink hair, he, he, he stood up and he was given it stacks. And, and he just said, this is brilliant for Northern Ireland. And I said, I'm thinking, you're absolutely right, it is. The tourist board has spent millions. And it, in my opinion, is brilliant. Showing to the world all those countries that would have seen the helicopter shots of rainy Northern Ireland. <laughs> I was like, God, could it not just shine the sun? <laughs> it's like, this is a fabulous country. And when the, the Lord Mary stood up, he said, this is, the best, this is the best city in the world, Belfast. I couldn't help but feel and think there were half of the crowd going, yes, Belfast. <laughs> and yet there was, a, there was a, I just got this sense. It was like, Belfast, Belfast, the bombs. And there was that shame of like, oh, what's gone before us? It's carried by the people, and I just thought, but it's changing, isn't it? Isn't it? Like yesterday was mental, <laughs> dressed in pink, silly bikes, blokes on bikes in lycra. <laughs> what is it all about? As the community come together, very soon we're going to see the cruise ships coming into Belfast. People from all around the world are coming to see this is great. It's brokenness being restored, isn't it? It's not, this is not a non-political quote, right? Got to be careful, haven't we, what we say? It's like it comes through the hearts and lives of us that say there's a different way. There's a different way. We release the kingdom through forgiveness and through love of not fighting back and all the rest. It's like this is the way. We choose the way of love. We choose the way of forgiveness, it's the way forward. Here we go, our top takeaways. What do we do from this? Where do we go? You know, we do this each week. It's like we preach a message and we try to bring the Bible, what Jesus taught, but what does it mean to us? How do we go away? What do we do? Where are we meant to grow? Just a few things just to help you. Search me. God, know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. It's from Psalm 139. Many of you know it. It's like, go before the Lord. What is it? 
What is it you're wanting me to deal with? And don't, don't be scared of it. Don't rush away from it. Don't just go, oh, out the door. It's like, no, deal with it. Stop. Ponder it. Talk to someone. Get a friend and chat amongst yourselves about it. Go to the person. If they're, now listen carefully. I hope that I say this well. Someone's done something and they know they've done something wrong to you and you choose to forgive them and you think it's appropriate and you think it's helpful to go and say, it's all right, then go ahead and do that. Now, often it's not. Often it really isn't. And, that, that, and, and sometimes the person is actually dead. So you can't really. Okay? Now, sometimes as well, if someone has hurt you, but they're not sure, or they're not, they didn't even know that they hurt you. Sometimes I'd just say, guys, just, just let that one go. Okay? Unless you think it's helpful for them to know. But you explain it again carefully. Don't dig up a load of old stuff, right? Write a letter. These are just some, some ways of doing it, all right? Write a letter to that person if you can't go to them. Again, if you think that's appropriate and you think that is helpful. Sometimes it's helpful to write something out. This is what happened. This is the way that it made me feel. And then you burn it. Or you screw it up and put it in the bin. And it's your way of just, that's what happened. But I'm choosing with your help, with your mercy to deal with this. And sometimes throwing a stone in the sea or whatever it is of sort of saying, this is it. But I'm choosing with my will to just let go. And this is just an act of doing it. Now with all those things, it requires God and your prayer. And you're saying, God, help me to do this. I don't want to do this. person doesn't deserve it. Bloody, but they should suffer and burn and all that stuff. That's like, but God, give me the strength. Give me the power in order to do this stuff. And journey this with a friend. Journey this. If you don't know someone, then pray, God, give me someone in my life that I can talk this stuff honestly and openly with. Someone who's going to give me wise counsel and help me. That would be good. Isn't this all good stuff? <laughs> like I've just dropped a bomb right now. Do you know, but at the end of the day, this is real, isn't it? This is real life, and it's what happens. And, but we have a great God and a gracious God that helps us journey. Hannah, are you ready to... Oh, come on up. Guys, we're going to worship again together, and then just want to give a bit of space and, to pray and see what God might want to do or say to individuals. That would be super. Uh, so why don't we stand together?